2: This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball
0: in the nation's capital. Welcome in. This is big. This is fun. We're excited. Bustin' Loose Baseball is on the air. We've been talking about doing this for weeks now, and our little dream podcast has finally come to fruition. If you listen to the Grant and Danny radio show, you occasionally get to hear us Talking about the Nationals, but never as much as we'd like. So we've been lobbying behind the scenes to do a more baseball-specific Nats-centric podcast. And this is what we've come up with busting loose baseball.
2: Meeting the ones of people's demands that we do something more Nats related outside of the normal, hey, when there's Nats news, a free agent signing, or things in the off season, or any kind of major trade deadline stuff, sneaking it in. And it's, you know, listen, this is not the greatest year probably to start a Nats specific podcast as the team is kind of struggling out the gate and is in full on rebuild a lot mode. of but-
0: Joning, by the way, when I announced the podcast, like what a great time to, to get Nats content. Well, look, they're still playing. If you're like me and Danny, you're still watching the game. Yeah. I mean, you don't turn off the valve because they're bad. I mean, people do still enjoy this team. I'm at the ballpark twice a homestand. A lot of you guys are still living and dying with every pitch. Which means you're dying a lot.
2: Yeah, and there's yeah, and uh, well said by you. There's plenty to, to to chew on here, especially for baseball nerds like us, because we can find excitement. Having you know, both grown up as Orioles fans, you often have to find excitement that has nothing to do with winning and having more runs at the end of at the end of a game or at the end of a homestand or at the end of a season. You're figuring things out to be excited about, and there is some things. There are some things to be excited about uh, with the Nationals. Every fifth day, when jo- when Josiah Gray throws, that's exciting. He's good. He's having a nice campaign. Some of the young players in this organization. Even guys up at the major league level. Kiba Ruiz has held his own. The game is not too fast for him. He hit his home run, first home run here over this past weekend. There's things that you look for where you go, you squint, you can kind of see it. A little bit down the line, all the way back in 2009, 2010, watching some of the Young Bucks, the Ian Desmonds, the Jordan Zimmermans, some of these guys that were going to become mainstays for a team that had an excellent decade that just wound up you could sort of see some of the building blocks again, that's fun for us.
0: Yeah, so I guess if, if you're stumbling across this podcast by way of some weird search that you did on some uh, podcast home and you're not familiar with Grant or Danny or the uh, radio show, that was weird because I just did a third-person bit. I meant to say... If you don't
2: know Grant... Yeah,
0: I meant to say if you're not familiar with Grant and Danny as that's a Grant, show, by the way, <laughs> which I'm allowed to say without it being really weird, I don't think I've ever spoken in the third person, so that was very, very Ricky Henderson. Danny thinks that was fun. Right. If you are not familiar with our normal D.C. radio show, I'm Grant, he's Danny. Hi. Uh, we have been doing a show together in D.C. since we were paired together in a, in a meeting that began at Hill Country Barbecue. That's right, that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, in Washington, D.C. back in 2000, end of 2013, we started our show January 6th, 2014, and we both love baseball. Danny played college ball. At George Washington, in fact, Danny is a Hall of Famer. Oh, come on, stop. at the George Washington University, it's true. I think you hit thirty-six bolts in college. I did, yeah. Is that true? Is that, that number? Is. I think I think that's right. I meant to go one under, so that you would have to correct me, just so it would sound better for everybody. Because I know you know the exact number, but thirty-six, I think I I now have memorized. Right, that's the number,
2: and that's and it's always funny to bring up, uh, in the sense that that's my best accomplishment twenty-one years ago. That's kind of hasn't really...
0: That's a damn good accomplishment. That no, was pretty legit. It was fun. In me, I would love
2: to freaking have 36 college bolts. <laughs> I had a nice college career and have been washed up for a couple decades.
0: And our producer on this podcast is Daris, who's going to be hanging with us, and you will hear plenty as well. So Darris is behind the scenes a lot on the G&D show, but... He's got a mic, and he's able to say whatever he wants whenever he wants on this show.
1: I am, and as a Nationals fan, I'm pretty uh, happy and excited to be a part of this podcast here.
0: So, I thought it would be interesting, just because you and I are Nats fans. Like, yep. don't, I'm I'm wearing Nats gear as we speak. Like, you, you are a Nationals baseball fan as well. But because we cover the game pretty analytically, I do a national show on MLB Network Radio. It's a little bit separated. Like, when I'm there, I'm marking out. But I want to have Daris, who's a fan, who's watching the games, who doesn't necessarily have to flash the credential very often. He just sits in the crowd. I think it'll be good to have a fan representative so that when we get carried away here and go too crazy, uh, just analyzing things without our hearts, uh, (laughs) that you can pull us back in as need be.
1: Don't get me wrong. I get to flash the credential every now and then.
0: You do love flashing a credential. It's pretty fun. How's your credential picture, by the way?
1: Um, It's actually, it's funny. It's a picture from when I was on the street team for 106.7 The Fan. I was uh, hanging with two redskins cheerleaders in this picture uh so it's just a, like the redskins cheerleaders are, are cropped they in out. your
0: credential picture? no they're
1: they're cropped okay. out they're cropped out but that's where the picture is from
0: all right yeah. so how old is it because my credential Ooh. picture for the nationals in my mlb rights holder credentials probably i think i'm maybe 21 and i'm now 30 <laughs> i'll be 34 this month I mean, it's a very old picture. I got
2: a 2009 picture, and that thing <laughs> no. has been stretched and condensed and thinned out. There was one year it was very thin and long; it was like a praying mantis neck kind of a situation. And I'm not that; I'm stocky and gross, and uh, you know, rosy cheeked and uh, out of shape. And you don't need no more information about it. But that there's there was remember the wide face year where the, where the where the credentials were especially wide. Oh, of course, handful of years ago, and you're just like th- you're not doing me my regular appearance doesn't do me any favors you're not helping best case I'm a five in the right lighting this makes me look like the slobbiest grossest absolute moose walking into this thing like where's the buffet it's so bad
0: uh I uh yeah I at some point I need to take a new picture but it's just it's one of those things where at this point they don't even ask for a photo anymore
1: they don't they've got the oh they one only got like it on file their yeah.
0: stock photo that they just print year in and year out
1: so. yeah I gave my photo to them probably three years ago I want to say the photo itself uh, was from 2016. So, yeah, they just keep it on file and keep reusing it.
0: I love it. All right, here's how this is going to work. Yes. So, Bust and Lose Baseball, we're going to post on Monday nights, and I believe on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights. What are we going to do, Darius? What's our second post? Because it- I think we'll do Wednesday night for Thursday, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, that seems about fair. Uh, you know, right before series starts, or yeah. or right before getaway day in okay, those series, so I feel like that you, lines up. You
0: guys will be able to grab it on Monday night online, and then on Thursday night, or I should say Wednesday night, but all day Thursday. Um, so you can grab the podcast. We're going to go twice a week. The way this is going to work is it's going to be interview intensive in some ways. We're going to have some long form, great interviews with people within the organization, minor league prospects, interesting baseball people. This week, kicking things off, who better to talk to than Joe West?
2: That Joe West, by the way. The
0: same Joe West that you're thinking of. Uh, we have an interview with Joe West coming up in a few minutes, which you're definitely going to want to hear because it's just hilarious that it's Joe West, an umpire, when we we just hate everything about <laughs> how Joe West operated and umpires as a general rule. Uh, so that's really, really funny. And then later this week, episode two, we're going to be joined by Cole Henry, who is my favorite... Pitching prospect for the Nationals. Everybody loves Cade Cavalli, as they should. He throws 100. I think Cole Henry's got a chance to be a star, though. Number two type starter. Uh, He's been fantastic in the minor leagues. Nobody's hitting the guy. He's going to be on the show for episode two later this week. We uh, had a great conversation with him. He's hilarious. Told some really funny stories. So it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. But we'll take a deep dive, too. We'll analyze and break down the Nats. We're going to talk about what's going on game in and game out, week in and week out on the field. But, Frankly, look, they've lost two-thirds of the games they've played. That's not necessarily going to change. They're gunning for a top-five pick, very likely. The rebuild is on, so... We're going to keep it loose and lively.
2: Yeah, it, there's plenty of meat on the bone. Again, it's everything from prospects, as Grant kind of mentioned, to, you know, just kind of the Juan Soto chronicles. We're trying not to take it for granted. Watching every him compete and fight every pitch is a pleasure. And as long as it lasts here in Washington, D.C., we'll certainly talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about trade potential, sort of league trends at large, and kind of, they kind of affect what's going on here in Washington. But you mentioned it. This is a longer-form Everything, right, when it comes to interviews, being able to ask guys things that, you know, it's not the normal 7 to 10 minutes that you get on the radio of how are you feeling, how are you playing, is this good, is this bad, what's it like, what did the manager say? You could sort of get into the day-to-day and, and find out what the director of player development is actually doing, what's going on in the assistant GM's office, or what life is like for uh, one of the top prospects that's knocking on the door, which you'll find this week with Cole Henry of, uh, of making the major leagues. I think there's, again, there's there's plenty of meat on the bone for us from a couple of baseball nerds.
0: So let's get into the 2022 Nats before we set up our Joe West interview. They have played 30 games as we record this podcast on Monday afternoon. They're 10-20, and and they are seven games out of the wild card and 10 games out of first place. Uh, Those numbers are going to matter very little as the year goes on, obviously. This is not a postseason-built team. We knew that when they did very little this offseason. When you spend basically no money for the entire hiatus until you give 42-year-old Nelson Cruz $12 million and you do nothing to upgrade your pitching staff uh, in your rotation and and you're bringing in some flyer pitchers in your bullpen, well, this is what you get. Uh, But they are 10-20. and Only the Reds in the National League right now have a worse winning percentage than the Nationals at 333. If you look over to the American League, we're not the worst, baby. Here we go. The Detroit Tigers suck. They're 8-19. and They have a 296 winning percentage, despite some good things happening there where, where Tarek Skubal is throwing the ball really well and Spencer Torkelson uh, has his first couple of home runs of the season. But the Nationals, Danny, outscored by 30 runs so far this year. They've lost 11 of 14 games at Nats Park. They've been actually much better on the road. Is this worse early than you expected it to be? Because we all knew by the end of the season it was going to get ugly. But to, to be... and minus 30 in differential in a division where nobody else is worse than minus 3. Has it gotten worse earlier than you thought?
2: It has. And I thought this group would struggle, especially on the mound, where they have the second-worst team ERA in the sport behind those Reds, who have as many wins as I have fingers, uh, pretty much at this point, uh, on one of my hands. Big
0: weekend-winning series for them against the Pirates. They are
2: now officially on fire. But in terms of the—here's what I thought. Early on, they really struggled, especially at the Dish. And that wasn't going to be forever. That wasn't going to be sustainable when you have Juan Soto. Now, Nelson Cruz hasn't really swung it particularly well as yet. But Josh Bell off to a blistering start. You guys are going to get their feet wet and kind of get in. Cesar Hernandez has been pretty good here of late as well. So the Nats are in the middle of the pack and OPS are the middle of the pack now after a couple nice series. where you go to Colorado, that's going to help some numbers. But they started swinging a little bit. I, I expected that. I expected the middle of this order because when you go Soto, Cruz, Bell, and to a degree, Cabo Ruiz – that's an, a major league, perfectly fine, middle of the order, right? A lot of teams have better than that. Juan Soto, obviously, is a superstar.
0: But that's league average, at least. But that's league and average. because of Soto, that pulls it up to probably be an above average. Y- and if you add in the way Josh Bell swung it this year, which we'll get into... It's well above average.
2: You'd call it plus, right? So that group I thought was going to score some runs on occasion, right? The bottom of the order I didn't trust very much, and whether or not Hernandez worked in the top of the order, I think is still TBD. The on base percentage isn't there, despite the fact that he swung it better. But I, I felt like this group would win some seven to five games, some eight to six games, where they would slug and and hit a little bit. I never thought this pitching staff would be able to hold their own. Now, second worst in the league. I didn't know about that, but just feeling Strasburg was further away than ever before, even as we're getting kind of these updates rolling in. Didn't frankly trust Patrick Corbin to to get back to pre-2020 form, really that, that World Series run. You start to add it up, and you've got a team full of four and five and maybe six and seven starters going every fifth day, and that's not a sustainable model at this point.
0: Well, so let's just kind of run through what has been. We'll start in the rotation. Uh, Josiah Gray has by far been their best starter. Numbers show that. Three, four, five ERA, six starts. He's pitched 31 innings worth of ball. He's got 34 strikeouts and just 25 hits allowed. Pretty dominant at times. A 219 average against. That is excellent. That's all star caliber. That's really good. Uh, a couple of things I would say that he needs to work on. Recently, he's been victimized by the long ball, and he's walked a few more batters than you'd like. Basically, like a four and a half per nine walk rate. Just numbers on uh, top of the head. He's got 16 walks and 31 innings. So that's why the ERA is even higher than it should have been based on the lack of hits, the average against. probably should have a low threes ERA, maybe upper twos, but he's walked a few guys, and then you know what should be a solo homer becomes a two-run homer. That's right. Obviously gave up a three-run homer going back a couple of weeks ago in that Rays series. So uh, Marlins series, I think it was, beg your pardon. Um, but yeah, Josiah Gray uh, has been awesome. And for me, this year, I've said this 100,000 times on G&D, Uh, Here's what I care about this season, to be completely honest with you. Josiah Gray developing into a a front-of-the-rotation type starter. K-Bear Ruiz developing into a backstop franchise catcher, guy that I I know I'm plugging in five, six times a week when it's going good next year, and a a championship-level catcher, so to speak, on a first-division team. Uh, Josh Bell being really good because either you re-sign him and or you trade him and get as much possible for him. Uh, Nelson Cruz getting off to a faster start than he has but picking it up now so that you can flip him for something that helps you in your minor league system and then just getting to watch Juan Soto every day. And literally that's kind of what I care about. There are some secondary tertiary things like it'd be nice if Eric Fetty throws the ball pretty well, which he has this year. 3-9 ERA through six starts for him. He's got 26 Ks in 30 innings because he could be a, a back of the rotation starter when they're good again a couple years from now that you could keep around on the cheap perhaps when he needs to be paid his second contract. But it's it's basically, for me, Josiah Gray, k Bear Ruiz, and the trade chips. That's the extent of what I really do care about, because by and large, most of the guys on this team are not going to be here in a couple of years. I would maybe even add Yohan Adone to that, because I think Yohan Adone, at his age, with his profile, has a chance to be a big league, middle of the rotation, maybe a fourth-type starter for a long time. But there are only a handful of things in terms of players to monitor that I'm really all in on right now.
2: The, I, I echo, cosign all of those. The two things I would add, storylines for me, are last chance for Victor Robles, right, to to recapture the he was the once untouchable prospect in this organization that they would laugh people off the phone if they inquired about Victor Robles. And now, you know, how far the money have fallen there. And the second, honestly, is, is the future of Steven Strasburg. Again, we're talking about five more years of him under a massive contract do I ever get to see Steven Strasburg be Steven Strasburg again? The history of that thoracic outlet syndrome surgery is not great uh, in terms of guys coming back and regaining their their dominant selves. I, I can't wait. I'm fascinated to see Steven Strasburg again. But those things that you mentioned and and you know the the last two I'd add are kind of those are my storylines here for the Nationals at this point.
0: Davey has claimed that Patrick Corbin is back based on his last two starts. I don't believe that. I think it's been a long enough sample of kind of this is what he is. He was bad in 2020. He was bad in 2021. Mm -hmm. Now, Patrick Corbin was a hero in 2019 in a World Series MVP caliber performance. I mean, he was invaluable. They don't win a title without him. I am pro Patrick Corbin as a dude based on what he was to the Washington Nationals, and I am pro the acquisition because they don't win the championship, the only one they've ever had, if he's not here. But it is just what it is at this point. Six starts in. His ERA is over seven. Last couple times we've seen him. Things are trending in the right direction, so you can give him some credit for that if you'd like. He's getting deeper into games. He threw eight innings of three-run ball against the Rockies at Coors. Time before that, I actually sat right behind the screen as he threw two-run six-inning ball with eight strikeouts against the Marlins. It was the best he's been all year. But he's had some good starts against the Marlins. That's right. A couple of years ago, a complete game. Last year, first or second day of May, if you go back and look, he was nails against the Marlins, and everyone said he turned it around. And obviously, you know, he was quickly regressed. But in the rotation, I would say... I'd rank effectiveness so far in this way. Uh, Gray one, Fetty two. Yep. Adone probably third, even though he's got the huge ERA, because he's had a couple of pretty good starts. Um, And then maybe Corbin four, based on eating some innings. They've split the fifth role. Three starts for Josh Rogers, three starts for Aaron Sanchez. Rogers actually had better numbers in his three starts, went deeper into games and pitched better. But uh, they're taking a flyer on Sanchez, a former first-round pick, who was a Cy Young candidate at one point in time. Uh, and that they're hoping they can turn the clock back on him.
2: On Corbin specifically, um the 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 barrels that he finds at this stage of his career, hitters aren't are not intimidated. Hitters are not uncomfortable. The, the bat is a is a is a friendly one for for hitters it seems at this point. When he has that slider working with the good bite and kind of goes towards the back foot the way Randy Johnson was able to get guys kind of guessing on the inner half where you they don't know if it's fastball or slider coming and you get some bad swings and misses. I don't know how often that guy's going to materialize. Guys are spitting on that slider in the dirt. You look at hard hit percentage. He'd never been above 40 outside of his rookie year. And, you know, usually you can find him in the mid-30s. It hasn't been south of 40 over the last three seasons, continuing on even to this year. Barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, all those different measures that tell you hitters are comfortable right now against Patrick Corbin. He was the most hit pitcher in baseball, basically, over the last couple of years. And uh, I don't know if that's going to change. Uh, It's... You know, he's never really been able to have that third pitch that kind of gets guys off that first look, struggles to locate to the arm side a little bit. So away from righties inner third to left-handed hitters, hadn't matter because that slider is so nasty that, that lefties have flailed at it, but you need to be able to pitch to both sides of the plate in this modern game of baseball as guys have really evolved, and, and now anything that's the slightest bit off the dish, the slightest bit up, is taken as a personal affront, and there are warnings, and the benches might clear, etc. You've got to be able to command both sides of the plate maybe now more than ever, and he really struggles to do that.
0: So let's talk offense for a second and run through some of the big bats in this lineup. Obviously, Juan Soto through 30 games is not off to the start any of us wanted. He does have six home runs, which is about where he should be. He's got just eight driven in. Uh, Two RBI other than the home runs. Fluking. That has a lot more to do, honestly, with him not coming through with runners in scoring position than anything else at this point. Uh, It just hasn't been a Sotoian start to the year. But he's doing a lot of Juan Soto things. He's got more walks, 24, than strikeouts, 23. He is going on base at about a 400 clip. He's one of the league leaders in a few categories, including free passes. His 864 OPS is third on the team to Josh Bell, who's been marvelous, and Yadiel Hernandez, who's having an incredible beginning of the season. Uh, we can get into him in a minute. But a couple of things I want to point out. Soto's max exit velocity, 94th percentile. Expected slug, 94th percentile. Uh, xwoba, woba 96th percentile. Like all of the, the projections, mm-hmm. the uh, advanced analytic numbers are kind of there. One thing I will say is he's chasing a little bit more. Yes, yes. The best thing about Juan Soto forever has been that he never expanded the strike zone. In fact, last year, he was 100th percentile in chase rate. In 2020, he was 98th percentile in chase rate. In 2019, when he was a kid, he was 93rd percentile in chase rate. Now, I'm not saying it's a problem. He's still 90th percentile, but he went from a guy that chases less than any other batter in baseball last year to. 10% of hitters now chase out of the strike zone at a, at a better clip than Juan Soto. So I guess my point is some of the lack of support, Nelson Cruz not helping behind him, how bad this offense was in the first month, I did I think did get to him. And also, it's, he's got to just take some of it on himself to just get back to being Juan Soto as often as possible. Take your, your free passes, spit on pitches, grounding out a bunch. You don't want to see that necessarily. Let's get the ball in the air and and let's drive the baseball. Uh, he also typically goes to left and left center a lot, Danny. Yep. He's got one home run to left field, one to left center. It was almost dead center. But four of his home runs have been pulled, and a couple of those right down the line. So it just doesn't quite look soto Ian yet. I think some of it's the baseball, Major League Baseball, in my opinion, tweaked the baseball. Home runs and power is down. Um, some of it's the weather. You know, it's, it's all of those things. But if you watch every day, you, you kind of know what it looks like. And it's just not quite... Hundred percent max capacity. I'd say he's operating at like eighty percent of Juan Soto. And type stuff. And
2: yeah. And what's? Would what, you just marvel at it because he's still a very effective major league yeah, no, player, even he's doing still, that. Like, a yeah. Feared hitter.
0: No one wants to face.
2: We're talking about a standard that is impossible to equal that he himself has set. Um, he started twenty nineteen this way. If you're going to go back and look at it from a technical standpoint trying to do too much hitting that five run home run every time and he's so gifted he's so good you mentioned the opposite field numbers those just happen for the most part guys usually have to guess and kind of cheat that way and sort of you know hope they get the pitch to that spot to then be able to do something with it he's got reaction homers he's got you know left on left breaking balls hit to left center field over the fence. That's not a normal human being thing. And he, of course, is not a normal human being. But you look at some of the uh, the advanced numbers, he's got a comically low batting average on balls at play at this point in, in hitting in the 270s. That Equalizes that will sustain it there. That won't sustain. He'll t- turn back into a guy that's, uh, you know, more normal in that regard. Uh, the average will come up, and I think he'll settle into being himself. He'll settle into Juan Soto stuff where he's taking his walks and, and using the entire field. When he's center to left center, that's when you know he's locked in. We're
0: going to get into more of these guys in our second episode coming up later this week. And uh, again, Cole Henry will be a part of that uh, episode. We've got a great interview with the Nats prospect, but I want to go rapid fire, just some first thoughts on the first month. Josh Bell's been magnificent, 971 OPS, a team-best 21 runs batted in. He's hitting 343. My fear is he's going to get traded because uh, I want him here for the long term. But, frankly, Danny, they could move him and then try to resign him this offseason and bring him back. But the way he's hitting, he's going to be worth a ton on the market as a switch hitter with power who can play first base, and I, I think defensively. He's been better this year than he's been in a while.
2: He's he's worked at it. You can clearly tell. I, I, I echo your point about defense. Outside of that really horrendous start where he was actually tearing the cover off the ball in spring training, if you remember last year, got COVID. Basically, the first six weeks of his season was a mess, talking about 2021, where he basically hit 100 for the first uh, month and a half of the year. Outside of that... He's been a pretty effective offensive player, and he picked up where he left off. Um, I, I would say, kind of, at, especially towards the end of last year, where he was just under 300 uh, in September with an OPS over nine. He's been doing that.
0: How about Yadiel Hernandez? Where would they be without him? He's mm-hmm. kind of taking the left field job every day. I'd like to see him play DH a little bit more often. Me too. Get Nelson Cruz off his feet a couple of times here and there because he's doing nothing. Yadiel Hernandez, 933 OPS, 365 average. Uh, he's hitting everything that's thrown to him.
2: Sometimes guys can just hit. And you think they shouldn't he be able to. He was in the
0: minors in home yeah. runs a couple years ago. It,
2: it, sometimes a scouting report says he shouldn't be able to. And sometimes, you know, this hand or this exit velocity or this sort of thing. Sometimes guys just defy that. He's one of those dudes where it wasn't his job initially. They wanted Lane Thomas to win that thing and use some of his athleticism and you know, some of the tools to let them come to the forefront. As Thomas floundered to really start the season, here's Hernandez just tearing the cover off the ball, as you said, and they need him in the lineup. A couple
0: other guys they've gotten some production out of, and, man, did they need it. Michael Franco's hitting over two eighty with an OPS 718 doesn't sound like a big deal, but OPS and offense in general down in baseball. Mm-hmm. He's been an above average offensive player so far. And uh, Cesar Hernandez, I- I'd like to see him draw walks and take more pitches and do some actual leadoff things if he's gonna be batting leadoff, but he is hitting two eighty. Now, very small slug, not a lot of on base above that. Uh, his OPS is still in the mid sixes, but he's been able to find holes. It's a lot of base hits, a lot of singles, kind of a lot of you know, weak knocks. But if he's going to hit 280 on a team that was offensively challenged for a while, you can live with that. Again, we'll take deeper dives into all of these players as we go but we got to get to our Joe West interview here. so Danny Joe West was a legend uh, like him or not <clears throat> 69 years old retired at the end of last season this is a guy that worked in several world Series is is is, is, is as recently as 2016. Uh, he umped an MLB record 5460 games and a record 43 seasons as an umpire. And he's the guy, as you hear in the interview, that I've tweeted so many times angrily about because <laughs> he loved making it about Joe West. But he seems like an awesome man. Uh, really, really enjoyed our conversation. It's nothing personal. Uh, they call him Cowboy Joe, Country Joe. But uh, it was, it was funny that he'd be the first interview on the podcast. We thought it would be hilarious because... I mean, we, we bash umpires a lot on this show.
2: And, and he's the he's the leader. He's the most visible. That's courtesy of Joe West, brought to you by Joe West. I mean, 5,460 games, the number's approximate here, 5,459 ejections. Just can't wait to run people at the ballpark. So one of the first things we asked him about was, did, did you wake up that day knowing that you were going to run somebody? But uh, again, a, a great conversation from a guy with an interest, interesting perspective. Opened my eyes to a couple things that I didn't anticipate when it came to umpiring and grading.
0: Yeah, and I loved going back and forth yeah. with him. and. I'll argue with him any day of the week respectfully, but uh, I do, and I'll use that word again, I respect what he does. Mm -hmm. Such a difficult job, and he did it way better than I could and way better than 99% of people can. Not as good as robots. Our first interview ever on the Grant and Danny Busting Loose Baseball podcast. And, yes, one day we will be hopefully having (laughs) the electronic strike zone. But in the meantime, (laughs) let's talk to Joe West.